Morning. I'm not a no-notes person yet, so I've got my, got my stuff up here. Like I said, I'm Ashley. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm going to start by asking you a question today that I already know the answer to, but I'm going to ask anyway. Do you have any difficult people in your life? Probably, probably what I should have changed it to is um, who are? Who are the difficult people in your life? Um, it could be a boss, a coworker. Um, it could be the person you're sitting next to. Keep your elbows to yourself. Don't elbow anybody, right? But we all have difficult people in our lives. And I can tell you're thinking of the person because some of your eyes are kind of scrunching and like your shoulders are coming up to your out. Like, it's okay. Take a breath. They're probably not here. It's okay. You can calm down, okay? So we all have difficult people. You could have a boss in your life who's just, you know, like my way or the highway kind of person. They don't want your opinions. They don't want your input. They're just constantly telling you, do what I told you to do. Just sit down, shut up, and do your work, right? You could have a difficult person in your life who is just negative a lot. They um, constantly whining, complaining, bringing down, bringing down the vibe. Or you could have someone in your life who thinks everything is about themselves. Um, everything is me, 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 me. They think of a situation and it's, well, how is this going to affect me? And sometimes we just have people who are just rude. Like, they're just some mean people out there that we have, like, grocery store lines. I've, there's, there's just rude people out there, okay? So, <laughs> there are all different kinds of difficult people. And what we know is that Wherever you go, there will be a difficult person. You can go ahead. Thank you. Wherever you go, there will be difficult people, right? And the reason that they're difficult people is because we're not getting along. There's some kind of conflict there. Because if we were getting along, they wouldn't be difficult. We'd be friends, right? But there's some kind of conflict there. The reason that they're difficult is because they're conflicted. And there are as many different types of conflict as there are people on the planet. You can have a personality conflict with someone where maybe your energy level is a 5 and they're a 10, and you just kind of need them to pull back a little. Or vice versa, you're a 10 and they're a 5 and you're trying to pull them up with you, right? And there can be that conflict there of we're not, we're not matching, okay? You could have um, conflict about how things are handled. This is a huge one in relationships and marriages because you're bringing two people into a relationship and person A grew up doing it this way and person B grew up doing it this way and now you have to find your own way to figure it out and that creates a conflict. It creates a difficult situation, okay? Or you could have a, you could have a conflict about advice. Like, if you are a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, you have friends, anybody, you see someone making the same mistake that you made and you think, I know how this ends, I know where you're going with this, and you want to help them, and you want to give, tell them, don't do this, or do it a different way, but they're, they're, they don't want it. They don't want your advice, and so you're conflicting with, with people you love, with people that you want to be around, and sometimes you're just going to butt heads about stuff, okay? So wherever you go, there will be difficult people, okay? But most of the time, it's not really the person that's difficult. It's more um, their behavior. It's what they're doing that makes them difficult to be around. And there's one thing that we know about behavior, and it's that all behavior is communication. 
How a person is acting is just them trying to tell you something. But a lot of times with difficult people, they're just not doing it very well. They're communicating poorly. Their behavior and their communication is creating a conflict. Okay? So、um, one of the things we're going to talk about is tone of voice. And I'm going to tell a story about one of my kids. And don't worry, I can talk about my kids without crying. I have, I have <laughs> I figured that out. <laughs> so. My son William, he's in the front row, he's 12. I've got three boys, they're 8, 10, and 12, and they love playing video games like, like any, most young guys do. And、um, if at the exact moment William is playing a video game, he, he dies in the game, right? His character dies. If at that exact moment I ask him, hey, can you put away your laundry? His frustrated tone of voice when he is talking to me. Really has nothing to do with the fact that I asked him to put away his laundry. It's more about his emotional state in that moment than it is about what I've asked him to do, right? So his voice is communicating to me that I am frustrated. Now, my interpretation of that tone of voice is what can create the conflict. He's not purposefully trying to be rude to me, he's a really good kid. My interpretation of what someone is doing has the potential to create the conflict. Okay? So, there's two more things.、Um, someone's body language is a nonverbal form of communication. And you guys know this one. You know, if, if you're talking to somebody and they're doing this, they don't want to be there.、Okay? Um, someone's choice of words. Obviously, words are communication, but if you're dealing with a difficult person, a lot of times they're not choosing the best words. With how to talk to you about it. They're feeling angry, and instead of you know, using emotional words to explain, I'm feeling angry or frustrated, or using I statements like, I feel upset when this happens, most of the time it's their words that are going to cause the conflict. Okay? So, how people communicate to us and their behaviors are what make them difficult people. So, what do we do with them? How do we respond to difficult people? And this is where we're going to turn to Paul. Paul wrote a letter to people living in Colossae. And I had to ask how to pronounce that because I've always just called them Colossians. But so he wrote a letter to people living in Colossae. And it's because they were having a hard time with each other, they were struggling to get along. There were different ideas about how things should be taken care of. There were some political issues that they were getting all you know, fired up about and upset about, which, as I'm reading through, sounds a lot like 2022. I mean, I think it's very easy to relate to I'm frustrated with this person, or we have a different opinion, or they voted differently than me. And a lot of times we have conflict with people when they're different from us. Which is exactly why Paul was writing to the Colossians. And in the beginning of the letter, he tells them, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. When we deal with difficult people, it's discouraging. It's discouraging to your family, it can be discouraging to your job, it can be discouraging to your soul. <laughs> Right? And Paul is saying something really important. He's writing that they will be encouraged in heart and united in love because division is discouraging. And this is, this is an important message for any group, but it's 10 times more important for people in the church. Because when we become discouraged, 
over secondary issues, it will make completing our mission more difficult. Secondary issues cause division where we don't need division. If, if following Jesus is supposed to make our life better and make us better at life, the secondary political issues, different opinions, these should not be things that get in the way of us completing our mission, which is sharing the love of Jesus to everybody. We can, we can disagree with someone and still stay encouraged and united. Okay? Paul tells the Colossians in the next chapter how to do that. He tells them, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. This is one of those things that when you're reading is super easy to skip over because, yeah, thumbs up, that sounds good. But what's really interesting about this is um, up until the time of Jesus, God's chosen people had always been the Jews. If you were Jewish, you were God's chosen people from day one till the day Jesus came. But when Jesus came, he told everyone, we have a new covenant. And it's with Jewish people, and it is with non-Jewish people, who are known as Gentiles. That's what I would guess everyone in here is. We are Gentiles. And so Paul was writing to the Colossians, reminding them, you are now also God's chosen people who are holy and dearly loved. Okay? And then he says to them, clothe yourselves. Good job, guys. Step one. Check. Right? Everybody in here is clothed, so thank you. Okay, but, and we're going somewhere, I'm going somewhere with this, so stay with me. Um, none of you woke up this morning in what you're currently wearing, right? You had to choose to clothe yourself. You had to choose to put clothes on. I see people giggling. Maybe you came in your pajamas, that's fine, it's okay. No judgment, right? We had to choose this morning what we wanted to put on. So what Paul is saying to them is when you're dealing with difficult people, it is a choice you have to make. You have to choose to clothe yourselves in certain things when you're dealing with them. Okay? And the first thing Paul says we need to clothe ourselves with is compassion. When we're dealing with difficult people, Paul tells, he tells us to be compassionate. Compassion is it's a genuine concern for the suffering of other people. A genuine concern. So if, if all behavior, we've established all behavior is communication, and, and difficult people are communicating poorly, this tells us they've lost their peace. A lot of times difficult people are being difficult because somewhere in them they've lost their peace. And that should concern us. That is where we can have compassion for the genuine for, for the suffering of someone else. They've lost their peace, and that is where we can have compassion. Because what would change if instead of a difficult person, right, instead of your boss, instead of your coworker, we saw a person who was conflicted and needed help finding peace? It changes how we think about them. It changes how we want to talk to them. Even if their behavior and their communication style is telling you a different story, they've, most of the time they've lost peace somewhere and they just need help finding it. The next thing Paul tells us to clothe ourselves with is we have compassion and now kindness. Clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness. And you guys know what kindness is. 
right? We've talked about this before. Kindness is lending someone your strength instead of reminding someone of their weakness. It's, it's being, it's having that ability to see that someone needs something that you have and lending it to them. Uh, when I was teaching, I was a teacher in North Dakota, and I taught in a really, really small K through 12 rural school. I taught special education. I had all ages, all kids, and I had one high school kid that I worked with, and um, he was he was struggling and failing most of his classes because he wasn't doing his homework. So report cards come out as they do, and mom saw the report card, and mom's not happy <laughs> with the amount of of failing grades that he had. So so she called me. And um, she, she let me have it for about a solid five minutes. That her kid was failing, and she was upset about it, and she's angry. And this was a moment where I had to choose to be kind, because I had goals that I was working on with this kid, but they weren't homework goals, right? We worked on other stuff. That was my job with him. So as she's yelling at me, in her anger, all I was hearing was her fear. She was just. Scared for her kid, she had lost her peace. She didn't know how to help her kid, and what she needed was somebody else's strength to help her through it. So I went to all of his teachers, gathered all the missing assignments, went to his locker, grabbed his books, pencils, everything he needed to do his homework and catch up. And when my workday was done, drove to her office and handed everything to her. Not because I wanted to. Not because when people yell at me, I'm really happy about it. It's because she had lost her peace. She needed my compassion, and then she needed my strength to help her get the stuff that she needed to her son, so that her son could succeed. That is what kindness is. It's reminding people that we can be their strength without having to poke at their weaknesses. The third thing Paul tells us to clothe ourselves with is probably my favorite. It's humility. Being humble is not an easy thing.、Um, what humility is? Humility is the ability to look at a situation and say the four most difficult words you could ever say: "I could be wrong. I could be wrong." How many fights have you had with a spouse, with a parent, with a friend that could have completely stopped dead in their tracks if you said, "I could be wrong"? You're not saying you are wrong. You're not admitting, you know, because maybe you are 100% in the right, and you know you're right, and the other person just needs to get on board, right? But if you stop and say, "I could be wrong," what you're telling the other person is. I'm willing to listen, and I'm willing to have a hard conversation, and, and I'm and also saying I'm willing to change if necessary, because sometimes you could be wrong. Okay, it's the biggest diffusing statement that someone had ever told to me. I could be wrong. You disagree with someone politically? It's fine. Tell them I could be wrong, and then be honest and open about listening to their opinion. Right. Another thing we say around here is, I don't know everything about anything. There is no one area in life where you know absolutely everything. So if you can let go of kind of that need to feel like you know it, I don't know everything about anything, and I could be wrong. 
can really, really diffuse and disarm someone that you're in conflict with. Because instead of being defensive and wanting to fight with you about it, all of a sudden you're peaceful, and they can respond the same way. The next thing Paul tells us to clothe ourselves with, we've got compassion, kindness, humility, and gentleness. Gentleness is not new. This is one you guys know. I mean, this goes back to communication styles and how we talk to people. Speak gently. How many times has someone yelled at you and you thought? That is exactly what I needed. I needed someone to scream at me. I feel so much better. I'm invigorated. My attitude has done a complete 180, and I am ready to go. <laughs> Personally, never. <laughs> and maybe, maybe people yelling at you really gets you going. Most of the time, though, it will not. If we speak gently, we can connect better with the person that we're having a conflict with.、And、the last thing Paul tells us to clothe ourselves with is patience. You guys, we all know what patience is. We've talked about it so many times here. Patience is the ability to tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting upset. Okay, that's the part that gets me. I can tolerate delay and troubles and suffering, but it's the without getting upset part that always kind of just. So, so I was trying to think of an example, and、um, as I'm driving, the example just came right to me. So、um, when you're driving,、um, picture yourself on a one-lane road, like、uh, Highway 47. It goes one way down to Winfield, one way down to Hawk Point, right through Troy. Okay, you're driving. Most of the time, if you're running, if you're running early, super, you're running smooth. But if you're like me and you're running even just a little bit late, you are stuck behind someone who, no matter what, is going to drive 10 miles under the speed limit. Okay, this is this is a delay for me. This is a delay for me that I am not enjoying, and most of the time, I'm not really that kind about it in my car. I'm not all that patient. But what do we know about driving? If I'm three feet away from the back of their car, are they going to speed up? No. Chances are they're going to slow down. <laughs> and then we're going 40 instead of 55, right? So. We need to learn to be able to tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting upset. Right? Paul brings this entire message together, all of these things, and he simplifies it for the Colossians by telling them what to do next. He tells them we need to bear with each other. Bear with each other. This means when you get to the point where you feel like you've tolerated enough, you don't deserve to be treated like this anymore, and you are ready to just cut this person out of your life forever. Paul says, "Stop. Stop and be even more patient. Stop and be even more humble, even more kind, more gentle, more compassionate." Why? Why would we do that? People are difficult, right? Now we've talked about what we need to do to deal with a difficult person, but why would we do this? That's the next part of what Paul tells us: bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, we forgive because we're called to forgive. Because following Jesus makes us better at life, and that is what forgiveness is. You have a coworker who doesn't know what they're doing and makes your job more difficult. Be patient. Teach them. Bear with them. Forgive them for making your life more difficult. When <laughs> personal experience, 
for my husband to me. Um, when your spouse spends more money than they should have on something that they think is kind of stupid, um, bear with them. Have the hard conversations with gentleness and kindness. Forgive them. When you had dinner plans with someone and they canceled on you and now you're eating alone, forgive them. Right? And, and they've put up here the really big why. Bear with them and forgive them. But why? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. How many times has Jesus forgiven us? Every single time. Every single time. Jesus doesn't keep like a little tally mark and goes, oh, Ashley messed up again, 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 again. Oh, that's five times. I'm done forgiving that one. He doesn't keep a tally mark and his forgiveness is unlimited. And we are called to bear with each other and forgive one another as the Lord forgave us. What this does is it takes every excuse you and I can think of and just flips it off the table. We are called to forgive. Paul has a couple more steps for us. Over all of these virtues, he tells them, put on love. Over everything else that Paul has told us, over compassion, kindness, gentleness, patience, over bearing with people, over forgiving people, over all of that, Paul tells us to put on love, which again means this is a choice we have to make, choice we have to choose to clothe ourselves with. We have to choose to put on love. And for some people, it, it will come very easily. For some people, we can put on love and forgive them at the drop of a hat. But what Paul is telling us here is there will be people that we don't want to forgive. There will be people that we do not want to love. And with those people, we have to put on love like protective body armor, right? They are going to shoot word bullets at us and we have to put on that protective body armor of love and choose to see them through the lens of love and choose to hear them through the filter of love and choose to speak to them with loving kindness, even when it's not easy. Uh, before I had kids, I worked part-time at a dance studio. I worked the front desk for five hours a night and then taught some of their ballet and tap classes. And the woman who ran the studio, she was, gosh, she was the most beautiful dancer I've, I've ever worked with. She had been on Broadway, she was, she was gorgeous, she was an amazing teacher, but she was not always the kindest person. And one day, she's, we're in between classes, so there's little ballerinas going to class and from class, and there's parents everywhere, and they're pulling hair up and putting tutus on. And uh, the owner of the dance studio comes out, and she's, she's livid about something, and she marches right up to me, and she starts just giving it to me because the cleaning lady didn't clean the floors of the bathroom. That was not my job. <laughs> That was not my problem. It was not mine, right? And she, she let me, I, I was her punching bag for a couple of minutes, and then she marched off to teach her next class. And I had a choice. I had a choice for how I wanted to respond. I had a choice for how I wanted to treat her. And I had to bear with her. I had to have compassion for her because obviously there was something else going on in her life for her to yell at me about a bathroom floor, right? 
you don't just most people don't just yell at you for a bathroom floor, right? There's something else going on there. And so, with compassion and humility, while she was teaching, I got down on my hands and knees and I cleaned the bathroom floor. And I don't, <laughs> I don't want you to think that I'm some kind of saint. I promise you, I was not on my hands and knees, smiling, thanking God for the opportunity to clean pee behind the urinal. That was not what I was doing. Okay, I was not a happy camper trying to clean the bathroom. But what I saw in her was hurt and frustration, and I knew that I could help. I couldn't help a lot, but I can clean a bathroom floor. I can forgive someone for yelling at me when it wasn't my fault, right? Now, a lot of times the world will tell us we don't deserve to be treated that way, and your friends and family will probably would have told me I should have given my boss a piece of my mind. I should have stood up for myself. I should have had some self-respect. Let her know what I thought and walked right out the door, and never gone back. Had I done that, this woman would have never. Seen Jesus through me, she would have never known compassion and humility, and the ability to love someone even when they're being difficult, even when they seem unlovable. We're going to look at one Paul one more time. Paul tells us, over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. If we can bear with one another, and forgive one another, and put on love, we can bind together in perfect unity. Now, perfect unity does not mean that we are all always going to agree on everything all the time. I guarantee you that just in this room, we are not going to agree on any one issue completely 100%. What perfect unity means, even when we don't agree, even when we have a difference of opinion. We can still live together. We can live united instead of divided, because those secondary issues don't matter as much as as they feel like they do sometimes. We can live in unity and still disagree. Imagine if every time your boss asks you to do something, you responded with humility and patience. And did it, even if it wasn't your job to do. Imagine if every time your kid broke a rule, you responded with gentleness and kindness, creating a connection instead of screaming at them about it and sending them to their room alone. Imagine if every time someone hurt you, you were able to forgive them, even when what they did feels unforgivable. Because we know how to forgive, because Christ has forgiven us of all of our things too. Can you imagine how peaceful your life would be? I mean, not not just about the difficult person, but the peace you could have in your own life, knowing I can forgive and I can love, even when we don't agree, and that we can live in perfect unity side by side. And、isn't that worth working towards? Isn't that worth learning how to have compassion and how to forgive people? I'm going to go ahead and invite the band up, and I'm going to have you guys stand with us. I'm going to pray quick.
Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together and to learn how to be better at life. You have given us all of the examples that we could need, and you have shown us that sometimes when we're facing difficult people, it can be us who can flip the script. We can have compassion, and we can have that gentleness and the patience and the ability to bear with someone even when they're being difficult. Help us, Lord, this week as, as we're interacting with people who may be difficult in our lives that help us to remember to choose to put on love, to choose to see them the way that you see them because how you see them is different. We see them as a difficult person, but Lord, you see these people as your children. Show us how to treat them as you would treat them. Show us how to forgive them. Lord, show us how to be different than the rest of the world around us so that we can complete our mission by showing them the love of Christ. Guide us this week, Jesus. Show us in those difficult situations exactly where you are and how to respond. Amen.